everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We want to invite you to learn more about the heart and vision of City of Lights. So check out our website at cityoflights.church and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at City Lights Indie. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy today's message. This uh, week, as we step into this new series, it's not just a series, it's actually a liturgical season, uh, the liturgical season of Lent. Lent, again, is a 40-day period, not, ex- not including Sundays, between Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, and Ash Wednesday kicks it off. This took place last this past Wednesday. Some of you who have a Catholic background are probably very familiar uh, with the season of Lent, and one of the really f- the big focus of this season is oftentimes we do talk about, we talk about the, the bonuses and we talk about the great things about God, but sometimes over time we can become numb to how great the sacrifice was and how necessary Jesus was to our redemption and to our healing and to all of the things that we worshiped him for this morning. We can forget that Jesus was not a great option to add on to our lives. He was our only hope. Like, if you buy a car, and especially, like, you know, you're upgrading, maybe it's like you'd only, you know, you'd been driving, like, the hoopty that was handed down from you, from your uncle who had it in the garage, and this is, like, your first car at 15, but now, like, you're grown. You got your first job. You're about to go make it happen, right? You're like, I can't be pulling up to Salesforce and this old busted thing. Like, you're feeling good. You got to go, and you go, and you're, like, uh, evaluating the car, and then you, they're like, well, would you like uh, the, the factory system, or do you want the Bose system? And you're like, hit them with the Bose, right? It, sometimes we treat Jesus like he's just an extra optional feature. Like, you know what? My life, you know, it was okay, but, man, I met Jesus, and it's been turning up. No, no, no. He was your only option. You had no hope. We'll get into more of that here in a moment. But the, the, the focus is to help us do something that we so often don't want to do, and that is actually recognize our deep need and the chasm between us and God because of our sin. You know, Ash Wednesday, which took place this last week, some of you might uh, be familiar with it or not, and some of you are like, why are all these people walking around with dirty foreheads? Don't nobody love them? to kind of wipe that off, but, you know, Ash Wednesday is most recognized because of the ashes that are placed on people's forehead, and that is connected to Genesis 3, Genesis 3.19, where we see as a result of the fall, the scripture says, remember you are dust, and to dust you will return, and so it's beginning this process of this mindset of recognizing our deep need for Jesus. Now, during the course of this series, one of the things that we're going to do is we're going to do some corporate prayers of confession that come from the Heidelberg Catechism. It's a teaching document that the church has been using for years to help people remember these deep truths and remember uh, these convictions and, and reiterate them. And so we've got a little bit of call and response here. So L, leader, I will say uh, one line, and then you all will respond. Some of you, you're just like, this is just, some of you are excited about this. You're like, oh, my gosh, I've been waiting for us to do something like this. Some of you are, like, getting PTSD from your old church experience. But wherever you are, Jesus is Lord. He's going to walk you through this. (laughs) All right? So I will say a line. Uh, It'll say leader, boom. That's what I say. And then uh, you all uh, will say the law of God tells me. So here we go. Uh, so, uh, the leader says, how do you come to know your misery? And, oh, y'all doing great. What does the law require? Awesome. Bow your head. We're going to pray. Actually, no. See, I'm getting used to this. I didn't grow up with it. Next line. All right, now this is a prayer of confession. We're going to read this together. All right, Lord Jesus Christ. Here we go. One, two, and. Lord Jesus Christ, we confess that instead of loving our neighbor, we have natural tendency to hate our neighbor. Instead of loving you with all our heart, we give you a small part of our heart. We cannot fulfill the demands of the law on our own. 
So please send your grace into our hearts. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. Would you go ahead and bow your heads? Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your patience. Lord, I'm asking this morning that in your mercy, in your mercy and your love, that you would pull back the veils and the covers and all the things that we use to try to ignore the severity of sin. Not to shame us, God. I know that is not a tool of yours. Your desire is not that we would walk in shame or condemnation, but, Lord, that we would walk in revelation, revelation of our deep need for you, revelation of our desperation for you, and revelation of your great love and provision for us. Lord, would you help me this morning in the moments that we have to communicate this truth. Lord, let let it sow seeds that will bear much fruit in our hearts, drawing us closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to read a couple passages in Genesis to kind of help us have this framework. Some of you who are in, been in the church, this might be familiar to you. Some of you, this might uh, be new to you. But I want us to understand some of the groundwork here. If you want to turn to Genesis chapter 2, I'm just going to read uh, Genesis 2, uh, 15 through 17, and then I'm going to read Genesis 3, 1 through 7. Genesis 2 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Genesis 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, well, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, but you, sh- you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one, one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. There are few things more just sad and pitiful than watching a kid cover up bedwetting. Come on. I know we got some bedwetters up in this house. And you got kids that have done that. I'm not even going to say show of hands. We're not trying to expose people. No shame and no condemnation. But it's just sad. You know, and, and, and watching, you know, I, I'm not going to, you know, we've got five kids. Uh, we've had six kids. We have five uh, here on this earth now, and so I'm not going to call out anybody. I'm not talking about you, Isaiah. Don't be embarrassed. You're good. You're clear. You got to be careful when you talk about family. They're sitting on the front row because I'll hear it late, later on. But it's just a sad thing, you know, and, and it, you know, watching a kid and just think you could just see the wheels turning in their brain as they're trying to figure out how can I keep you from realizing what just happened. And one of my favorite excuses, one of my favorite is like to pretend that like it didn't even happen. You know, or like one of my, this is one of my favorites. Dad, it's just sweat, Dad. It's sweat. It was hot. It is January in Indiana. That is not sweat, my man. It's just sweat, Dad. It's just, oh, man. I had an intense dream. <laughs> you know, what in the world? What kind of dreams? Sweat. We got sauna in the house. No. You just think of all, all the things, they, that they, all the reasons that they come up with, the ways that they try to hide it. You know, you start finding wet clothes in weird corners of the house. 
You start walking around. Like, now that we have a dog, Lucy will find the stuff. But it used to be like all of a sudden, like it would, if it, you know, they they take their clothes off and they hide it somewhere, and then like after a while, you're like, man, why is this wall turning a different shade? What is happening with the exposure of ammonia over here? And you start finding you can, you can just see this this shame and this embarrassment that comes on a kid that's just trying to think of every way that they can either cover up or avoid it. And and what's even more pitiful than watching a kid who's a bedwetter try to explain it is being one yourself. I was one, man. See, just vulnerability. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you for just being transparent this morning. Some of y'all didn't even need that. Some of y'all are like, man, I feel you, I feel you right there. But I, I remember the embarrassment of that and, and just trying to think of all the things because I didn't want to, you know, it's like when you, when you, especially when you're little and you don't even know what to do, you're like, what is happening? You go and you wake your parent up and there's no parent. There's no parent, I don't care how saved you are, that is excited and happy and full of joy at 2 a.m. when a child comes to you with a wet bed. There is none. There is none, Right? And, and so you, as a kid, you feel that. You know you're like, oh, they're going to be disappointed. I don't want to go to them. They're going to be like, they might, like, you might try to be nice at first. Maybe you just went to, like, if you're a father, you went to a Promise Keepers conference the day before, or you went to, like, all pro dads, and so this moment happens. You're like, this is a moment to be a great dad. Yes, son, I love you. I do not shame you. Let's change your bed together. But that happened, like, six months ago, and so this time you're like, oh, my gosh, what's wrong with you? Honey, can you do it? And then she's pretending to be asleep. So you don't want to bother your parents. And, then, and so after a while, you just don't even, so you're like, okay, I don't want to bother them because I don't want to deal with that embarrassment. I don't want to deal with their anger. I don't want to deal with that. And so I'm just going to figure, how do I deal with this? And so you just get better at figuring out. I remember one of the things, I knew how to clean my laundry a lot sooner than maybe others because I wanted to make sure that if I wet the bed, I'm going to go and I'm going to do these sheets and I'm going to make the bed and nobody's going to know in the morning. Because i got to cover this up. I don't want to go to my mom or my dad and say, I don't want to look at my brother or my sister. Especially if one of them was in the bed, it got tricky. <laughs> at first I could just blame them. I'd be like, oh, my gosh, Peter, what's going on, man? It's like, I'm dry. I'm like, no, it must have flowed over to me. <laughs> but i got to cover it up. But then I, I realized there was something I couldn't, I couldn't actually deal with because I could change my clothes, I could do a load of laundry, but there was a telltale sign that would expose my issue. When my mom would go and she'd be like, what's going on? What is smelling in this room? And I forgot one of the most important things you got to clean up, the mattress. Daggum. You know, you try to get the towels. You know, sometimes if I was real lazy at night, I didn't want to do it. I just put like three towels and just like just lay in your mess. It's getting real, 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 real. But it doesn't matter. Like it's, it's one of the horrible things about a mattress. If you don't have a protector on it, you know, especially if you ever had to get a, a hand-me-down mattress, is you can always tell when there's that stain, that ring around the mattress. And as a kid, you look at that and you're like, yeah, I don't know how to deal with that. I, I, I don't know enough. I, I can't do enough to get this stain out. Now, I use this because it's kind of funny. But, man, it so reminds us of the way we function in humanity. We see it in Genesis where Adam and Eve have done a thing. Kind of a big thing. Just see this picture for a moment. God has created the most perfect of perfect masterpieces. Imagine the earth before any pollution, the vegetation bustling with life in the richest of soil. Just can't imagine what it'd be like to taste that fruit, taste those vegetables, 
the ecosystem of creation in perfect harmony. Every animal, every beast of the earth and of the air and in the water in perfect unity and community and synergy. And then he places the pinnacle of his creation, humanity, that he himself did not just speak to, but he formed from his hands and he breathed his own breath. The Ruah of God filled this vessel, and it said then in chapter 2 that man became fully alive. And he takes his creation, he takes those that he designed and designated to bear his image. God literally designed man and woman to be many versions of himself that every place that they would go and in every place that they would multiply, that all creation would be able to see a glimpse of their creator. And he places them in the garden. He gives them purpose. I love that before the fall, he gave them a job to do. Some of y'all think that work is from the devil. God actually gave us a job to do. There was purpose. He not only gave man purpose, but he gave us provision. He said there's everything you could ever want or need to eat, it's here. And there was not only purpose and there was not only provision, but there was also protection. Because he loved them. Because he understood that we were, you were made for fellowship and relationship. God did not just make you to watch you. He made you to be with you. You were made not just to, to, to roam the earth like, a, like a, a glorified ant farm. We were made to be in fellowship and relationship with Jesus, with God, to walk with him in the cool of the day. And, as a, and because he loved and he valued that relationship, he actually gave us an instruction of how we can maintain that and not die. If you love me, please tell me how I cannot die. Are y'all with me? I just, need, I just need to know, like, if you love somebody and you know something will kill them, If you love them, if you love them, if, if you're not so afraid of whether they're going to like you or think that you're a nice person after you say that, what you got to say, that's a side note. That's free. If you love them and you know something will kill them, you're going to let them know. I, I, get, I, I frame it that way because sometimes I think we, we talk about the law in these mean, rigid terms. I don't know about you. I am thankful that there is a law that makes it illegal for you to just come up and kill me. Some of y'all were like, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that law right now. I'm just kind of evaluating things. Like real just laws are to protect life are to protect relationship, are to protect freedom. And so God gives them an instruction, and he lets them know. And let's just think about this for a moment. Like, God kind of knows about designing things. Just think about your own body, the anatomy of your own body. Think of all of the intricate pieces that make you, you who you are. Think about all of the different pieces that make your eye. All of the intricate placement of your bones and your organs. God is so smart that he did not put your heart in your foot. You think of all the things that he's good at and, if, and, and that he designed so perfectly, you would think that if he gave you instruction, you'd be like, you know what, I think you know a couple things about this world. I think you know about the situation. We might listen to you. Everything was perfect. So <laughs> they're in this situation. The enemy comes with cunning. Now, sometimes I think when we, when we hear about the serpent coming with cunning and having this discussion and trying to tempt Adam and Eve in the garden, we make the enemy the scapegoat and don't really take ownership of the fact that humanity sinned 
Humanity broke covenant. Sometimes we can get really, really mad and be like, man, Adam and Eve, if that was me, you'd have messed up too. You'd have messed up too. We don't need to show the broadcast of your last however many years you've been on this earth and see how many times you don't even say, you can't even hold up to your mama's standard, let alone anybody else's standard. Like I remember looking at my mom when I was seven one time, be like, mama, is there ever going to be a day when I'm not going to get spanking? And she was like, is there ever going to be a day when you're going to obey me? I was like, dang, gone, man. <laughs> I'll be doing this till I'm grown. We can't hold up to our own standard, let alone God's. He's holy. But as pitiful and as sad and as embarrassing it is to see a kid who get caught or see a kid who has to admit that they wet the bed, can you imagine being in perfect creation? Adam and Eve. Adam, like, literally made by the hands of God. Knew no, he knew no uh, hatred. He didn't, he had never, he didn't have any daddy issues. He didn't have any, he hadn't, didn't have to deal with systematic racism. He, he, had, he had no awareness of shame. And in a moment, in a moment, everything that was made was on a course for death. Think about the impact. Everybody wants to talk about the impact of the environment. Think about the, the wrecking, the ecosystem wrecking impact that happened that moment when sin entered the world. And every bit of vegetation immediately decaying. Immediately, the ecosystem, the animal kingdom, completely thrown out of sorts. Immediately. Immediately, you, you think of things that catalyze a thing in the ripple effect. We think of the, the impact that that had on all eternity, the capacity for perversion that was released in the earth like that. The dispersion and the dispension of hate and malice and pornography and rape and every atrocity that you can imagine like that. You think it's embarrassing when somebody catches you watching porn. Imagine that moment. Knowing that you know nothing but love. And knowing that you had just not just impacted you, but then you begin to look at the person across from you. A person who was made for you. A person who was handpicked from your rib, made in absolute astonishing beauty. And now, not only do you realize that they can see what you just did, but now this sin and this depravity begins to rise up in you where you have the audacity to blame them. Sin is a big deal, y'all. We call that situation the fall, generally, when we refer to it. It completely shifted everything. From that moment, whereas our inheritance was life. Now from that moment, we as sons and daughters of Adam came into an inheritance of death. That's our inheritance. You were born dead on arrival. You were born decaying. You were born with an inheritance and a destiny of desolation. That is what we, that is the consequences, that is the ripple effect, that is the mark of sin. Now, I know this is heavy, but I want, I want us to get the weight of that. Sin is not cute. Sin is crushing. 
And it's not just something that affects those really bad people. The scripture says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we do what so often we saw our parents do in the garden. It's amazing to me that Adam and Eve, imagining all the things that could have been happening in that moment. I, I, I mean, when I've tried to actually meditate on this, I, I love watching a, uh, the Animal Planet shows, or the Blue Planet, and I just can't imagine in this moment what this just did to the whole, just all of creation, the, the, the chaos that broke out. Animals attacking one another, just, just the, 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 the way that the whole ecosystem worked. And yet, it's amazing to me that their instinct was, man, let's go find some leaves and cover up real quick. <laughs> As though that was going to do something. Let's, let's go find something as though it was going to cover up all that just got released into the earth. We spend so much time covering up sin. Whether it's just lying. Whether it's ignoring that it even is a thing. Now we don't even, we don't have sin, we just have, you know, that's just a genetic disease. Or we just acknowledge that that's not even an issue to begin with. We were just, we're just, we're just made like this. The reality is, yes, we've been born into sin. We're born into a sin nature. And so you, who you are when you are born, you are born into a generational curse of sin. That, that is what we have been born into. We can't deal with it. We realize that, that, that our, our cover-ups aren't good, and so we just try everything that we can do to make it just not a thing, to gloss over it. We, get, we even get so crafty, and we're not unique to our generation. It's been happening for a long, 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 long time where when we realize we can't, we can't erase sin, we either try to act like it's not a sin or we actually build spirituality around it. And we try to do ultimately what man, what caused man to fall in the first place, and we try to be, not be like God. And that's the deception of the serpent in the garden where he said, he knows that if you eat it, you'll be like God. Let me help you understand. He had already made him like himself. He already made man and woman in his image. He already gave man and woman dominion over the earth and authority. He already gave man and woman the responsibility to bear his image and take his glory wherever they went. He had already made them to be like him. The sin was not they wanted to be like him. They wanted to be him. They wanted to be God. They wanted to be the one who determined right and wrong. Sin is ultimately saying, God, you are wrong. I don't trust you. I want to do it my way. I mean, that's just really the essence of it. I was talking with my son last night. We were just talking about, man, what, what are some of the things that you just struggle with? Why do you do it? At the end of the day, the answer for both is, you know, I, I just want to. <laughs> I want my way. We want our way. And we try to cover up. Problem is, just like a kid trying to clean up a pee stain, we realize we don't have what it takes. I'm going to make my, my, really my biggest point this morning when I was thinking about it. It's, it's definitely not one you're probably going to tweet. Or post, you probably aren't going to confess it a lot in front of the mirror. But it's one during this Lenten season that I really do believe is one we have to come to grips with. Apart from Jesus, in and of ourselves, you are not enough. You're not. I'm not. 
Man, we hate that because it's completely countercultural. Because in the world, we want to just, we, we, we love to say, we hate the idea of not being enough. I can watch video after video, post after post saying, girl, you're enough. You're enough. Don't worry about what the world says. You are enough. See, motivational speakers to guys. You are enough. Don't care what nobody say. He don't know you. He don't know your background. You are enough. You don't, know, you don't need anybody. Man, it sounds cool. Everything you need is on the inside of you. Just listen to your heart. Then, like, there'll be a song and some dancing animals or something. Just follow your heart. You know who you are. Just listen to what that demon inside of you. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's just too charismatic for some of y'all this morning. <laughs> you are not enough. I mean, imagine clapping to that. But that's why we needed Jesus, y'all. You have to understand that you couldn't get yourself out of your bondage. We could not rescue ourselves. Here's, here's this thing is, you know, it's amazing how we try to pay for salvation through good deeds. Or for the, do you understand that I said that you were, you were born dead on arrival? The wages of sin is death. That means you were born into poverty. You were born broke. You can't buy salvation. You don't have anything to pay with. What are we going to give God but a bunch of ashes? We were born broke, and yet we're still trying to cover up, trying to do little short-term deals that make us feel good for a moment but actually have no lasting impact. You are not enough. But here's what I love about the gospel is you don't have to be. And actually, you were never made to be. What does that mean, Pastor? I thought you were designed for fellowship. You were made to be with God in a good place. You were never made to live. Humanity was never designed to thrive and exist outside of relationship with God. Death itself is separation from God. You were made for connection. And can I tell you, I'm really glad that when they were trying to cover themselves up, that God didn't respond to them the way that I respond to some of my kids at 2.30 in the morning. God knew what was going on, just like a parent. Like, you know what's happening. As soon as your kid starts making excuses, they can't, they can't hide the ammonia smell. Like, there's just certain smells. You're just like, okay, that's not sweat, son. I just have to, it's like... You just picture Adam and Eve, just imagine, like, creation burning. Everything is into chaos. Like, Triceratops is, like, mauling this lamb. You know, who knows, whatever, whatever you're asking, you know. It's like all, all hell's breaking loose on the earth, and God's walking in. And Adam and Eve are like, hey, what's up? What's up, man? What's good? What's good? Hey, what's going on? You, you notice anything, Adam? I mean, what's, why, why is the lion eating the sheep over there? What? Man, you know, I saw him eyeballing them the other day. I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with that. It's going crazy. Adam, what, what's going on? What's, what's this little clothing choice you got going on? I mean, I, you know, I just saw this vegetation. I thought, you know what, let's, let's, uh, let's steward this well. I just want to steward this leaf. I just thought I'd get creative and just try some things. Lord, I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to do this for you. God knew. He knew what happened. He knew what happened. He knew the severity of what happened. He goes on to curse the serpent, to let Adam and Eve know what just happened. 
de- he begins to detail out some of the results of this curse of sin. But this is what I love about God. Is he already had a plan to restore and to cover. He said that he, God, made coverings for them with animal skin. This is a type or a shadow or foreshadowing of what would happen on the cross when Christ would come and be the sacrifice of all sacrifices. But this is the first example where we see bloodshed, that there was an animal that was torn, that was broken, that was sacrificed so that their sin and their shame could be covered. And I just think of what this process might have been like. And you, I don't know if any of you, I know all of you are like great kids, but have you ever like done something that you know was wrong and you're anticipating the whooping like all day long? Like all day long. Or maybe not even when you're a kid, like forget being a kid, like uh, maybe this week where you did something, you said something, you broke a trust, and immediately you felt that sickness in the pit of your stomach. And you knew that you'd done a bad thing. And if you're human, probably one of your first instincts was, how can I cover this up? How can I fix this? How can I make this work? How can I keep them from finding out? And you're anticipating the the, the wood being laid because you deserve it. I know we like to pretend like we don't deserve discipline, but I know I'm talking to humans. And so I know that there's been at least one or two or 2,000 times when you know you've done a thing. And I wonder if how Adam and Eve felt as they were bracing and hiding and fig-leafing themselves. And yet God came to them. He didn't just wipe them off the face of the earth. He actually took time to make a covering for them. I don't know what you think it's going to be like when Christ returns and we get to fellowship with all of the saints. But I'm convinced that in the great chorus of witnesses praising Jesus, Somewhere, Adam and Eve are going to be crying out to Jesus with tears streaming down their faces, hoarse because they've been singing and praising him for so long. Because they were not just the first to experience the separation from God, but they were the first to experience the covering of God. The reason we talk about this great sin is because it reminds us that Jesus was our only hope. That God loved us so much that he came as a man in Jesus Christ. That he lived the perfect life that we could never live. That he died the death that we should have died in our place. Taking on the full weight of our shame. Taking on the full weight of every sin, every accusation, every sickness that was released in a moment. In a moment, he took all that on himself. But he didn't just stay in the grave. Three days later, he rose victoriously. He did what no one could do before him. Not only did he live the perfect life, not only did he take on and satisfy through the shedding of his blood, did he satisfy the debt of sin, but he rose victoriously. Three days later, proving that he was who he said he was and offering to us Not just a ticket out of hell, but restoration to our original calling. To be with him. To walk as sons and daughters of the living God. Does that excite anybody today? This morning, we're going to take communion together. Gabby, you can go ahead and come on up. Ushers, if you want to go ahead and get in position. 
as we reflect on this reality and we come to grips with the fact that we are not enough, that we can never do enough, that we can never be, uh, we can never say enough, do enough, go to enough to earn our salvation, to earn this gift of grace, to be restored, but we desperately need him. I want to remind us that Jesus is not someone you needed. You need him. I know sometimes we can get in church for a while and we think, yeah, I, need, I mean, I, I, I was so desperate for Jesus. Why were you? Why aren't you? I don't know about you, but e even as we walk in newness of life and in resurrection, I'm, I'm thankful that apart from him, I am not enough. But I'm thankful that the greater one is on the inside of me. And that because he is in me, that he says, I am more than a conqueror. I'm not just a conqueror, I'm more than a conqueror. That I am the righteousness of Christ. Not because of what I did, I just tried to cover up. But because of what he did for me. So how do we respond? How, how do we respond to this? Well, first, we need to humble ourselves and repent. And now I know some of you are thinking, again, this is just for the people that don't know Jesus. No, that is for all of us. Because I guarantee you, like, some of y'all aren't even make it to lunch without doing something you need to repent of. I'm just praying, like, Lord, help them. Help them get to Paco's Tacos without sinning, Lord. But the reality is, we are going to make mistakes. Even those of us who have received the blood transfusion of the Lamb, that we have been born again, we still, until Christ returns and we are in our fully glorified bodies, we will still feel the ache and the tremors and the phantom groanings for our appetite for sin. We will. You'll feel it less and less as we grow more and more in him. And yet, we should never underestimate our humanity. But recognize that each moment when that thing rears its head up, that he is sufficient. And in that moment, when you lashed out in a way that you know you shouldn't have, in that moment where you think you have it all together until that racism starts raising its head again. In that moment when you knew, you knew, you knew you shouldn't have opened up that app. You knew that you shouldn't have kept that video on. You knew that the implications it was going to have to your chemical reactions in your brain and your relationships. And yet you find yourself again drawn in. Humble yourself and repent. Don't run. Don't try to cover it up again. Just come. Repentance is turning. Now here's the thing. Sometimes we can turn, but here's the crux. This is what got us in the garden. It's what gets us every day. So it's not just about turning. It's about Submitting to the Lordship of Jesus. Lord is an interesting word. We like Savior because we always want a rescuer. But Lord is tricky because it means king, boss. He's the one that defines. Mm. Man, we hate that. Our world hates that. We want to be self-defined. Whatever you say goes, whatever you feel goes, whatever you think goes. Lordship says, no, God, whatever you say goes. We've got to surrender. You know, sometimes when you first come into faith, you don't even know all the things you have to surrender. Can I tell you, when I gave my life to Jesus when I was three and a half years old, what I had on my plate to surrender to the, God, to the Lord was different than what I had at 13. Or what I have at 33. 
my, what I had, not what I have at 33. I'm a older than that now, but it, it's different. And so the beautiful thing is the closer you get to God, all of a sudden you realize he's like, hey, I want that too. You're like, wait, I mean, I already surrendered some things, Lord. You're getting stingy, God. So I know I want all. I want all of you. I want to restore you fully. You don't want to just be like mostly restored. I want, I want all of you. We've got to surrender. And the last thing, you've got to repent, you've got to surrender, you've got to follow him. Because it's a daily process. It's a daily work of becoming like him. I love this season of Lent, and I love that it is longer than a day or a weekend. Because it should be a daily reminder of how much we need him. I love the song I said, I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Every hour, every minute, every second, each and every millisecond, we are in need of Jesus. Ushers, you can go ahead and come forth pass out these elements as we take communion together I want us to really meditate and take a moment and contemplate I know this can be again we love we are going to focus on Jesus we glorify Jesus but I want you to take a moment to recognize your need and what you hold in your hand is a reminder of God's provision for your need. Every ache, every area of brokenness, every hurt, every wrong, every injustice, the solution was the blood and the body of Jesus. Christ's body broken for us. His blood shed for us. Can I have one of the ushers bring me one of those cups when you get a chance? Let's just take a moment. Just right where you are. If you want to close your eyes, just meditate on that, and then we're going to take it together. Father, we recognize this morning that we are not enough. Lord, we recognize that our sin and our rebellion have separated us from you, holy God. And Lord, we are so grateful you loved us so much that you pursued us with your affection. That you did not just pursue us with well wishes. You didn't just meet us with gosh darn it's, but you actually had a solution. That Jesus, who was the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth, would pay our ransom would give his body to be broken so that we would be made whole. Father, we take the bread this morning as a reminder of your body broken for us. Take the bread. Lord, we hold the cup as a reminder of the only substance that was strong enough to erase the stain of sin. The only thing that could wash us and restore us that we would be sanctified and made righteous. We thank you for the provision of your blood, God. 
we take this cup in remembrance of you. Take the cup. Let's go ahead and stand up together. Would you bow your heads? If you're here this morning, for the very first time, you're experiencing this Jesus, or maybe you have been in church before, and you've kind of gone through the religious motions, but you know in your heart you have never truly surrendered your all to the Lord. And this morning is a time of repentance and surrender. This morning, you're tired of going your own way. You're tired and you've grown tired of fig leafing and covering up and, 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 and you've recognized finally, once and for all, that you actually need Jesus. And you say, today, today, I want to surrender my all to him. Today, I want to surrender all that I am to him. I don't want to waste any more time. I know I need him, and I want to give my all to him. If that's you, would you just raise your hand where you stand? Say, I want to surrender my all to Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just going to wait a moment more. I see your courage, and I see you right there. Say, I want to surrender my all to him. Amen. You can go ahead and put your hand down. For all the rest of us that are sons and daughters of the living God, I want us to join in this prayer along with the courageous ones that just raised their hand. As a declaration of consecration, can we lift our hands to the Lord? Just pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I recognize my sin has separated me from you. And I could never close the gap. I don't have what it takes to close the gap. I can't do enough to satisfy the gap. But I recognize that you died for me because you love me. And your sacrifice was the only thing that would satisfy my debt. I recognize that you were raised to life, victorious over death in the grave. so that I could be forgiven and restored for your glory. I surrender my life to you. All I have is yours. I call you Lord. I call you Savior. Amen. Can we give him praise this morning? Thanks again for joining us. Don't forget, you can find us online at cityoflights.church and connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.